Happy New Year uh, to everybody. It's always one of those weird things that um, it's not actually um, January 1st, but this is the first time for me to see you or for the first time for you to see me, I guess. Um, so Happy New Year. Um, brand new year and with a brand new year, brand new month, we're starting a brand new series called uh, Fresh Start, as you've already heard. But before uh, we jump into that, I got an update for all of us on um, our plan for resuming um, in-person, on-site worship gatherings, which is why some of you um, joined us today. This is all you wanted to know, right? Um, so we're going to communicate more details over the next couple of weeks, but the most important thing you need to know right now is that our plan to uh, resume on-site worship services here at the church um, is in two weeks from today, January 17th. Uh, we're going to have both uh, Sunday morning services, 9 o'clock, 9 11 o'clock services. Um, Kids Point environments are going to be um, back online or back in person um, at that point. Uh, Tandem Student Ministry will start the following Wednesday. And um, our uh, young adult ministry, the point is actually going to start the night before on uh, the 16th. But we are asking for you um, and your family to register for Sunday morning gatherings so we can do our best um, to, to create the, the space that we need for social distancing and to prepare um, for Kids Point uh, Ministry volunteers as well. So we're ready to get back to seeing you in person, but we want to do as safely as we can. So make sure uh, you register you and your family for that. Again, we're going to talk about that more um, over the next uh, couple weeks. Uh, we're going to continue streaming um, our services for those of you who aren't able or ready to join us in person yet. And I, I just thought it would be interesting for you to know this. Um, we are actually connecting with a lot of people through our online stream that we probably wouldn't have unless we did this. I, this has not been our preference. This has not been something that we've necessarily wanted to do, but it is, it is almost every week we get a couple notes, we get a couple indications um, that people are connecting with, with God and connecting with our church through um, this. So I just think that's kind of, it's, it's, it's good for me to hear that. It's good for us. Um, to get some of that feedback, and I just thought I'd, I'd pass that on. Um, but again, we'll give you more details about this over the next couple of weeks, but January 17th is the date, all right, for us to get a fresh start as a church, which is what this series is all about, okay? Uh, we're going to be talking about this over the next uh, four weeks as we get in um, to 2021, because I think that all of us want 2021 to be a different um, better, what, whatever word you want to use than 2020 in a lot of ways. Um, but for some of us, we want 2021 to be better or different in a very specific way. We want a fresh start. Um, it could be relationally. It could be emotionally. Uh, maybe you'd like to get a fresh start with um, a relationship with one of your kids, maybe with your parents, uh, maybe with a coworker, a neighbor, Whatever that looks like. Maybe you want a fresh start with your health. That's a pretty popular one um, at the beginning of a new year for a lot of people. Uh, maybe you want a fresh start spiritually. You want to start a new spiritual habit, or maybe you want to restart a new spiritual habit to connect with God or to reconnect with God, to connect with his people, to connect with a church. Maybe that's why you joined us online today. Maybe it's a, a fresh start financially. For you and your family, you want to get out of debt, you want to save a specific amount of money over, uh, over the next 12 months. There's so many different areas to start 
fresh. So no matter what it is, you could call it a resolution, you could call it a goal, you could call it a new habit, um, what, whatever it is, we've all found ourselves wanting a fresh start. And if you can identify with that at all, this series is designed with you in mind. This series is, is really for you. Today's a little bit of an introduction, and then we're going to get into what I think is the first step in um, finding or making or getting a fresh start. Each of these weeks kind of builds on the prior week, so I hope you'll stay engaged with us throughout the entire uh, four weeks. But it's all, it's all moving us toward figuring out what it looks like for us to make a healthy, fresh start this year. And I say healthy on purpose because there's plenty of people um, who've experienced fresh starts over and over and over and over again, but nothing really changes in their life, right? Like, you know people. I know people. Maybe, maybe we are that kind of people where they, they've started fresh in multiple areas of their life, but the mess just kind of followed them from place to place, from change to change, right? And I think that's, I think that's because a fresh start doesn't guarantee a favorable future, just because you, you start fresh in um, you know, a job and you, go, you, you leave that one and move to the next one, just because you come up with some new goals for your health or your finances, um, just because your first marriage or your second marriage or your third marriage doesn't work out, like none of that guarantees that the next time is going to be any different than the last time. And if you need proof of that, just take yourself back to January 1st of 2020, right? A fresh start doesn't guarantee a favorable future. And I've experienced this in my own life in, in different areas. Um, as a pastor, I get a front row seat to all kinds of people who've attempted to make a fresh start, but everywhere they go, there they are. They've, they've just moved the mess from one season to another season, from one relationship to the next relationship, from one job to the next job, and the next time was simply a repeat of the last time. And I think there's, there's a couple reasons for that. There's, there's two myths that we tend to base our fresh start decisions on. I heard this from a guy uh, named Joel Thomas. Um, he, he, he says the first myth, the first myth is the experience myth. And the experience myth says that experience makes you wiser. It's a myth because we all know experience doesn't make you wiser. It just makes you older, right? Like if, if, if you've been around long, that doesn't necessarily mean you're wiser. If experience makes you wiser, then every 40-year-old would be exponentially wiser than every 20-year-old. And, and most 40-year-olds are wiser than 20-year-olds, but you know plenty of 40-year-olds that are just foolish, being older, being, having experience doesn't necessarily make you wiser. Knowing better doesn't mean you'll do better. Again, you have faces, you have names coming to mind right now, but let's make it personal. Think back to your greatest regret. Think back to, to, to that decision, that, that thing you said, that place that you went that you wish you could go back and erase from your life? It, it wasn't like somebody came up to you afterwards and said, you know, you really shouldn't have gone there. You really shouldn't have done that. You really shouldn't have said that. And you went, you know what? You're right. That's the first time I ever thought of it. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't. No, you knew you shouldn't have gone there. 
You knew you shouldn't have done that. You knew you shouldn't have said that. But you did it anyway. It's because knowing better doesn't mean you'll do better. Experience doesn't make you wiser. Evaluated experience makes you wiser. Evaluated experience makes you wiser. It's, it's wisdom comes from evaluating what you did or what you didn't do. Why did you do that even though you knew you shouldn't have? Why did you take that path instead of this path? Why, why is it that you continually find yourself in need of a fresh start? It's evaluated experience. Because if, if you don't know why it didn't go well the last time, you're in danger of it not going well again the next time. And the experience myth has a way of baiting us into believing that getting older makes us wiser. But that's not true. It's only actually when we evaluate, when we do an autopsy on our experiences, an autopsy on our decisions that we gain wisdom. Here's Proverbs 24, 32. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. That's evaluating experience. So the second myth. The second myth is the no-fault myth. The no-fault myth says someone else was responsible. It says someone else was responsible. It's, it wasn't my fault. It didn't work out last time. My boss was incompetent. You know, my husband had a spending problem. Um, my wife fell in love with the bottle. The, those bills surprised us, and, and we just didn't have the money. Whatever it was, it's someone else's responsibility, or it's something else's. It could be someone or something. You know, the reason I had to move, uh, the reason I had to file bankruptcy, the reason I had to file for divorce, that was the reason. They were the reason that I had to do that. It was someone else or something else's fault. But again, we all know, and this is a little uncomfortable, so we got to put on our big boy pants here. We all know when we absolve ourselves of any responsibility, we actually lie to ourselves. When we absolve ourselves and say it was their fault, it was that fault, whatever, we continually place all the blame on someone else or something else. We start to believe a lie about ourselves that we would never believe about somebody else. We would never look at somebody else's decisions and go, well, they were completely faultless in that situation. The truth is, the truth is not it was somebody else's responsible. If we want to make a fresh start in the future, we have to own our part of the past. We have to take responsibility for our part of the past, which is where I think Scripture comes in to play. So if you have a Bible or a mobile device, I want you to find Genesis chapter 1, brand new year, brand new series. Let's start at the beginning, okay? Genesis chapter 1. The reason I think we're so prone to buying into these myths is because we are natural born blamers. Like we teach our kids to walk, talk, and tie their shoes, but we don't have to teach them to blame, right? They, they do it naturally. They figure it out all on their own, but that's easy. It's, it's not just kids, it's also us. We're natural born blamers because blaming is easier than claiming. Blaming is easier than claiming. Blaming someone else is so much easier. It's so much more comfortable than having to look at my own decisions, my own behavior, and, and claim responsibility for it. And the best example of this 
comes from the very first two human beings, okay? So Genesis chapter one, and this, one, this one's free, um, but if you consider yourself a skeptic, um, you're not so sure about Genesis and you know the seven-day creation narrative and all of that stuff, here's what you need to know. The first two chapters of the Bible were written to introduce us to who God was, not to give us a detailed scientific account of what happened. Because we weren't there. Like, like the author of Genesis, Moses, he wasn't there either. But, but he wrote it, I believe, inspired by God to show us who this creator God was. And even if you can't get past that, okay, the interaction between the first two humans is spot on in terms of our tendency to blame instead of claim. Like you can, you can argue the creation story. But you can't argue that their behavior is 100% human. This, is, this has been baked into us since the very beginning. So here we go. Uh, Genesis 1.27, after the detailed account of all that God does, we get a, a review. We get a, a restatement of everything that God did when he created man. Here it is, uh, Genesis 1.27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, then, as in right after he created them. Like the very first thing we're told right after that. Then God blessed them. Moses wanted to, make, to be sure and record what we just sang. He wanted to be sure and record that God is good. He was a God of blessing not of curse, which is exactly the opposite of what the gods of that day and time were. They were not a god. They were not gods of blessing. But Moses wanted to be sure. Then God blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. So the very first thing that God does with mankind is give them responsibility. That's the very first thing he does. He blesses them and then gives them responsibility. So their first day went like this. Hi, I'm God. I created you. I, I, I want to bless you. So here's all of creation I'm giving you to rule over. I want you to fill it with people and I'm going to make sure you enjoy that process. Right? And, and there was only one rule. <laughs> it's not 10. That comes later. There was one rule. God said, just, just trust me on this. This is a relational thing. I've, I've already established that I'm good. I've already blessed you. So, th so this isn't what you need to do in order for me to bless you. I've already blessed you, and here's what I want you to do. Don't touch that one tree. You, free reign of everything else. It's all yours to rule over. Stay away from that one tree. Lots of responsibility, one rule. And as you know, they, they couldn't resist. Even though they knew better, they didn't do better. They knew. God told them. God warned them. They'd seen that God was good. He'd already blessed them. He'd already given to them. He'd already earned their trust. They knew better. They didn't do better. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, 
the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Maybe the most insane sentence in the entire Bible. They, they tried to hide from all-knowing God. But don't miss the point. The point wasn't that Adam and Eve hid. The point is that we all hide. Sin causes us to hide. We don't like to take responsibility until or unless we're caught. We don't like that. Verse 9, Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Now, parents um, have a way of asking questions to their kids they already know the answer to. And some of you had parents like this, right? This is, this is what's happening. God knows the answer but he's giving them a chance to take responsibility. And those of you who know the story know exactly what's coming, but I just want you to imagine for a minute. If Adam would have responded to that, yes, sir, I did. Yes, I, I, you've done nothing but bless me since day one, and I completely ignore you. I take full responsibility for my actions and the actions of my wife. Punish me, but leave her out of this. Could you imagine? <laughs> Could you imagine what would have happened if Adam responded like that? I guarantee you they would have had more kids. Guarantee you. Some of you will get that later. Here's how it actually happened. Verse 12. The man replied, It was the woman. <laughs> it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Here's, here's how I see it, God. This whole thing is between you and Eve. Because I was just standing there, and then all of a sudden there's this piece of fruit in my mouth. So you and her need to get it together and discuss this. And once you sort it out, let me know what happens. And I think God goes, he's obviously useless. Let me get the real story from her. Verse 13. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent, implication, the serpent you created. The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Now, here's what I want you to notice. Everything that they said was true. Everything they said was true. They didn't lie. But the way that they presented the information, it was presented in such a way to absolve themselves of any responsibility. Which means... You can tell the truth and absolve yourself from any responsibility. You, you can, you can you know, leave out certain facts. You can acknowledge partial truths. Because blaming is always easier than claiming. It's baked into us. And it looks a little different in our world. But if, if you've ever been in a marriage conflict... If you've ever been in a business conflict, a brother-sister conflict, you know, a sibling rivalry, whatever, a dispute with a client, we'll say things like, well, if you hadn't, I wouldn't have. If, if you wouldn't have said that, if you wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have done what I did. Or, you know, guys, we sit around and we say, well, she wouldn't, so I didn't. What, you fill in the blank with whatever. 
And ladies, you don't really get off the hook either because you'll do the same. He didn't, so I had no choice. Like my, their behavior dictated my behavior. The, the, they are the reason I did what I did. They are the reason I said what I said. They're the reason I went where I went. And again, the problem with that, the problem with that is anytime you completely absolve yourself of any responsibility, you lie to yourself, but you also spoil your chance for a fresh start. You, you keep yourself stuck in the past. We all have issues. I think we would all admit that. But our tendency is to turn a blind eye. We, we don't necessarily even do it on purpose, but you absolve yourself and absolve yourself and absolve yourself for weeks, months, years. The years turn into decades, and that just kind of becomes a part of who you are. And your past eventually becomes your present and travels with you into your future. Your, you, you, your past just becomes a part of who you are. And you, and you never really deal with it. You blame instead of claim, and it just becomes a part of who you are, you'll experience this loop of, well, this time is the same as last time, and this time is the same as last time, and this time is the same as last time, relationally, financially, in jobs, friendships, whatever, whatever the arena. And if, if you have a difficult time experiencing a healthy, fresh start, I, I don't know this for sure, but my guess is more than likely you've smuggled all of your junk into your future by refusing to own your piece of the past. And I think the first step in making a fresh start and getting a fresh start is to do an autopsy on you. So you've done an autopsy on everybody else. You've spent time and energy and emotion talking about or thinking about what, what they did or what they didn't do. You've talked about it. You've discussed it with friends. You've made sure everybody around you knows who the real problem is. You've spent time and energy reflecting and dissecting them. But if you want a fresh start, you need to do some personal, here's our word for the day, reflection. You need to do some personal reflection. And so as, as we jump into this, I, I don't want you to miss the next couple minutes. So if you've tuned me out and started to drift away, I want you to come back to me. If you open another tab and you're trying to figure out how to give Jeff Bezos some of your Christmas money, come back to me real quick, okay? Because I don't want you to miss this. Don't miss this next part. I know, I know when people think about church, they don't think homework, okay? But I got some homework. And homework's probably not even the right word. It's probably more like heart work, which is even scarier, but, but, but I, I want to give you a little bit of heart work. If you're in a place, again, I don't know, but if you're in a place where you need a fresh start in whatever area of life, it could be big, it could be small, it, whatever, here's the first step, personal reflection. That's the first step. And I've, I've used this before. We may have even talked about it before. But if you want to do a little heart work, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get out a piece of paper, and I just want you to draw a circle. Just put a circle on it, and I want you to think of that circle as a pie, okay? Had a lot of pie over the last couple of weeks. That's probably a fresh start I need to make, but the pie represents the issue, the, the, the problem, the conflict, the relationship, whatever it is, the arena in which you want a fresh start. It could be one situation. Um, it could be an entire relationship. It could be a job change, whatever. It's, the pie represents why you've ended up where you've ended up. 
The pie represents why you think you need a fresh start. But before you can get to that, I think you need to reflect on what went wrong specifically, your piece of what went wrong. Okay. And before I go any further, I, I, I think I got to say this. If, if you would say that your pie represents a situation, um, an abusive situation, like physically, emotionally, um, sexually, if it represents a situation where you were a kid and an adult took advantage of you, this doesn't apply to you. You don't need to draw a circle. You need to go see a professional counselor or you need to get out of that relationship, okay? That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about people who want the next time to be different than the last time. That is what we're talking about. And, and if you want, if what you need to figure out at this, at this point in this moment to get a fresh start is to figure out what piece of the past was yours. What, what percentage of that pie is your responsibility? And, and, it, and it almost doesn't even matter what percentage, it could be 10%, it could be you know, 20%, it could be 50%. It, it, that doesn't really matter. But you have to decide that. And I just want you to mark on that circle what percentage of the pie is your responsibility. The words you said, um, the actions you took, the beliefs that you had, um, the, the responses that you gave that contributed to getting to the place where you need a fresh start. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> haven't you spent enough time preoccupied with what they did? Aren't you tired of having imaginary conversations with your ex? How, how long, just, just get out a calendar and mark the date that you're going to stop blaming what, blaming what's going on in your life right now for what happened back in 1982. Like, haven't you spent enough energy? Have you spent enough of your mind? I mean, are you any healthier, whole, or complete for doing that? And if not, I just want you to consider, what was your piece of the pie? What, what percentage of it was your responsibility, however big or little it was? What's your piece of the pie? And once you've figured out what your piece of the pie is, I want you to write down what makes it your responsibility. I want you to confess on paper the things that you said, the things that you believed, what was your part, and how did it contribute to the failure, to the closure, to the conflict from that previous season, from that circumstance, from that relationship. You may not even be in that season anymore. Those circumstances may be long gone. The relationship ended years ago. But you still have angst, you still have anger, you still have emotion that rises back up every now and then. If you want to make a fresh start, if you want to be able to put it behind you, you make peace with your past by owning your peace of the past. Whatever it is, even if you never have another conversation with them, even if they never ask for forgiveness, even if they never own what they did, even if it's impossible to do any of that because they are gone. They are dead. They're out of your life. You make peace with the past by owning your peace of the past. And that's really my question. What's your piece of the past? What, what, what is that? What sort of things 
could you write down that represents that piece of the pie? And again, heart work is a little scary. Homework is not what we think of when we think of church. So I got a little bit of a cheat sheet, okay? Here are, here are a few things that I think you could write down. You draw the circle, you come up with whatever percentage you need to own. Here are some suggestions for your piece of the pie. Uh, number one, I should have asked more questions. I should have asked more questions. I kind of stuck my head in the sand because I didn't really want to know, wanted to be blissfully unaware. But looking back, I know I should have asked more questions. That, that could be a piece of the pie. Um, I, I should have confronted them. That might only be a tiny sliver, but it's still your piece. I, I should have confronted them. Um, I didn't want to rock the boat. I don't like conflict, so I let it go. And again, that could be your piece of the pie. And if you don't address why you didn't confront, why you didn't rock the boat, why you turned a blind eye, you won't learn from that. You won't grow any wiser. You'll just grow older. Um, I enabled their behavior. I'm not saying that their behavior was your choice. They're an adult. They have to take responsibility for their behavior. But was there anything in you, was there anything in your behavior that enabled them to do what they did? That's hard. But that might be a part. That might be a piece that you need to own. Um, I let their behavior dictate mine. I've never acted that way until I met them. And I allowed their behavior to get me outside of, of who I am and who I want to be. Like for some of these, I, it is for me. It's true for me. For some of these, I need people who know me and love me and I trust around me to help me see. You might need somebody else to help you see what piece of the pie that you need to own. You might also write down, I was greedy. That's not very fun to admit, but that's why I did what I did. Um, I was lonely. That's why I ran away with who I ran away with. I was jealous. I was afraid. I quit fighting for what I knew was best. What was best for them, best for my family, best for my company, best for my business partner, what was best for me. I just quit fighting for that. I didn't protect my heart. I should have protected my heart. I didn't protect my eyes. And because of what I saw, because of what I chose to look at, what I chose to see, because of where I allowed my heart to go, I went down a destructive path. Is that, is that a piece for you? Here's one. People warned me. <laughs> my spouse, my family, my small group, my friends, they all warned me. They tried to get my attention. I didn't listen. Here's, here's one. I thought I knew better. But just because you knew better doesn't mean you'll do better. Um, I thought my situation was unique. I thought all that stuff didn't apply to me. My pride got the best of me. I, I, listen, I, I don't know if those are any that you can identify with or not, but, but here's what I do know. If you're not willing to look in the mirror, even if it's not pretty, the next time will be just like the last time. It will be a repeat of the last time, and here's where we'll end. I don't think that's what Jesus has for you. I don't think that's what Jesus wants for you. In fact, I think this kind of honest reflection requires his help. 
It requires supernatural help outside of ourselves to be this honest, to gain this kind of clarity, to provide wisdom, to see what actually happened. God is not opposed to fresh starts. I think he's actually the author of fresh starts. That's what the gospel is. It's, he gave us all a fresh start regardless of what was in our past. And for some of you, that's the fresh start you need. Like all this relational and financial and health, all this other stuff, it's, it's, it's not gonna make sense until you submit yourself to the lordship of Jesus and start fresh in your relationship with him. And if we can help you with that, we'd love to help you with that. And you actually, you actually see fresh starts all throughout Scripture. But I think one of the most famous is, is probably King David. King David, you know, he, he's badly in need of a fresh start after a season of, of failures, of bad decisions, of consequence after consequence. After that, he records a prayer in Psalm 139. And I think it's a, a prayer that could help anyone looking to do an autopsy on their path on their past. Here's here's what King David prayed. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. See, here's, here's what David knew. I think here's what David learned, that anything that wasn't best for him offended God. Anything that wasn't good for him, anything that wasn't the best for him offended God. God was more for him than David was for himself. And I think that's what he's recording here in this prayer. God was more for David to experience the life that God created for him than David was for himself. And so David prays, I believe prompted by the Holy Spirit, search me. That's that's not a prayer that we come up with on our own. Because nobody likes doing this. Search me, God. Point out anything in my life that offends you, that's opposite of what's best for me. And then lead me along the path of everlasting life, the thriving, flourishing, abundant life that Jesus came to give. So the first step, to getting a fresh start, to making a fresh start, however big or small, whatever arena, whatever arena in your life is to spend some time evaluating what went wrong the last time and owning your piece of the past. And I think the way you do that is by asking God to help you with it, to know your heart, to know what makes you anxious, to know what makes you afraid, to know what makes you scared about doing that, to point out anything in you that's the opposite of what he has best for you. Maybe it's just to take Psalm 139, 23, and 24 and, and pray that over and over and over and over that God would give you wisdom to evaluate last time. So next time can be different. That, I think, I think that's the first step in finding and getting and making a fresh start. And and with that, we'll pick it up there next week in part two. But let me pray for you. And after I pray for you, Pastor Josh has a couple more things to share. Let's pray. 
Father in heaven, um, my, my prayer for us, my prayer for me today, I think is the same as King David's, that you would search us, that you would show us what is in our hearts, because you would test us. You would test our honesty, test our willingness to face whatever piece of the past was our responsibility. And, get, and then, then I, God, I pray that you would point out, would you would bring to the surface anything that we need to confess that offends you because it leads us away from your best for us. As we discover that, um, I pray that you would lead us down a different path. You would lead us down um, the path to everlasting, thriving, flourishing life. Would you give us the courage to turn around and go the other direction? Courage to repent, as your word says. Not just the the courage to confess out loud or confess on paper, but the courage to turn and go in a new direction. I think we all want the everlasting, the full, the flourishing kind of life that you designed us to experience. So would you give us the wisdom to follow you as you lead us in that direction? And I pray all of this, pray all of this in Jesus' name.